keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome to The Quantum Leap Catalyst with Terry Ostroviak. In the next hour, Terry and his guests discuss how to accelerate your business success and turn possibility into certainty. So turn up your speakers and hold on. Here's your host of The Quantum Leap Catalyst, Terry Ostroviak. Good morning, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak speaking to you from San Diego. Welcome to people that are listening from the United States and from Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia. I know that there are many around there, Middle East as well. Our topic today is called Motivating and Empowering Our People to Actively Support Our Product and Service Office to Customers. And our guest this morning is a woman by the name of Jude Gladstone Cade. Three words altogether. She's a consulting business psychologist. Her roles have included, are, that she's been involved in include things like business development and sales in complex information technology solutions. Also been a program manager for global product launches, prefers small business settings where the owner or founder values and hers are in sync with her values. The world leading, today, let me just give you an idea as to what we're going to be discussing. The world's leading companies have learned that people are now their most important investment. Through technology, quality programs, we've automated almost every business process. Yet this investment is presented to our customers by our people. And our people are either actively for us, neutral, or actively against us. So in today's discussion, we'll learn from Jude some effective methods and skills for motivating and empowering our people to be the active supporters of our offerings to customers. So she's going to give us some idea this morning as to how we can get our people on the same wavelength, the same track as we're on. Welcome, Jude. Thank you, Terry. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jude, this morning is actually talking to us from uh, from Mexico, so we really do have an international show here today, although she is an American. Jude, tell us a little bit about why this subject was of so much value to you. Well, I recently accepted a position um, at a facility, a healthcare facility in Mexico, Sanaviv Medical Institute, and. As I um, sat with my new team, um, a group of people who someone else had hired and who I was now going to lead, um, we just did a remarkably excellent job at coming together as a team. And uh, it was very exciting how this worked for me. And it's been a, I know it's been a long time, um, many, many years in the workplace in all kinds of settings for me. And uh, I've not usually had such successful attempts, success, successful efforts with a new team. It's, it's kind of difficult to step in as a leader for a new team. And uh, so I was talking with a colleague about it, and uh, I said, hey, we should, we should be talking with Terry about this. <laughs> Good. Tell me, how big is this team exactly this time? My immediate team uh, consists of four people. Uh, and I also have a role in, in the extended team at Sonaviv that is about, um, I'd say, eight or ten people. Okay, and, so you have uh, two teams. And obviously there's some technology that you've been using that's made a difference here. Right. What, what was it? Well, one of the, 
the, the technology that we have is uh, a, a, a great deal of investment in equipment that provides um, diagnostics and treatment in the area of bioenergetic medicine. Um, and But before I, ca I came here to Sonaviv, um, I wanted to say that in many other business settings, uh, particularly in technology companies, I've noticed that people either support, actively support the technology investment of the company or they're neutral about it. They have no feelings one way or the other. Or at times they are actively against and critical of, you know, the investment that a company's made. And I think that the key is how do we work with our people so that they become enthusiastic and active supporters of the investments that we're making as owners or um, <clears throat> leaders of companies. Does that make sense? Yes, it's a, it's a great distinction that, that you make. Yeah. I just, I, I, in fact, that's probably those three areas, either being uh, for or against or neutral, probably apply to all kinds of relationships even just being able to sum up the mood or take the temperature for a moment of uh, individuals or groups, that would be the same kind of thing. So in your background, you've obviously dealt a lot with this uh, kind of situation. What do you have to do in your, in your group to make it work for you? Well, what we did is we have really engaged people. We have engaged the people on the front lines who are delivering the services in the um, in a, a kind of an assessment, you know, how are we doing? How do we stack up against other people providing similar services for us? How are we doing as a group? What does our guest experience that's unique and more wonderful here than in other facilities that might be similar to ours? And so to have the team members themselves look out and look around into other facilities, other places, other environments, as well as to have them look into what our guests are saying, what the people who receive our services are saying on their feedback forms and their commentary forms and what they're telling us um, anecdotally in emails and letters so that they hear not only the praise, but they also hear uh, the spaces where we could improve. And so the team members, each team member themselves, prepares two lists. One list of this is what we're good at, this is where we're strong, right. and another list of what do we need to improve in based on what they're hearing from guests and what they're seeing out there in the bigger world in other facilities. Right. Yeah. So they start the assessment. It's not the leader's saying, you know, hey, you know, you need to improve this. It's the very people on the front line who are doing the assessing. Right. I, I very, I've often found in working with teams of people that uh, very often that approach hasn't uh, taken place. In other words, the, the major effort or the initia initiation of a, of a self-improvement self or an improvement of the team comes mm -hmm. from the bosses. Yes. rather than from the team themselves. So yes. I'm yes. for, for doing it that way. Exactly. Just a really simple example. There's a, uh, a, a market that I shop at frequently, yes. and they say, 
as I'm checking out, did you find everything you want? Right. And if I say no, they said, oh, what is it that you're looking for? And they try to help find it. And then if they don't have it, they take that information back to say, this is what our customers are saying. And this is the cashier that's taking information back in, you know, into a, a log or a database saying, this is what our customers are saying they're looking for. And that's how this particular market kind of hones and refines um, the products that it's going to carry. So there's a lot of information that's available from the front line, and in fact, they really know best how things are landing with the customers. <laughs> you know, just a little while ago, I received an email from somebody in New York, uh, a woman, who said, I'm going to read part of it to you because it's so relevant over here. She okay. said, hi there, I wonder if you can help me. My company is about 350 employees, and their attitude is very bad not only to each other, but to the rest of the world. It's been suggested to the head of the corporation that we take a training program, but he thinks he knows everything. <laughs> Please, can you suggest something or send suggestions for him to re- to uh, to help him? I was nearly read his name out, which would have been bad. She <laughs> um, goes on to say he's jackass, know-it-all, with a very ugly personality. Please help. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have asked for someone to come to us. Would this be possible? Oh, well, yeah. you know, it is interesting that, you know, if you squeeze people in, enough, eventually, <laughs> they're going to give you a little bit of feedback. In fact, yes. in this case, you're not even giving him feedback, so you're giving us feedback. Yes, yes. But what do yes. you do in a situation like this? Well, you know, um, that's a very difficult situation. Uh, that owner needs to have some motivation of his own to, to learn, and it might be through the financials, because... This behavior is certainly going to have an impact on the financials, and uh, there might be someone who can have a a real legitimate conversation with them and begin with a financial basis of unhappy people. Because there's a a clear story there. Interestingly enough, it's a law firm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm a a fan of Ken Blanchard, and, uh, you know, he's famous in the early days. He would say, catch them doing something right. And uh, then a few years ago, he went to SeaWorld in San Diego and watched how they trained killer whales to do tricks. And you don't train a killer whale to do a trick by poking it or hurting it or blaming it or punishing it. It doesn't work at all. And uh, it's a really good example of how to motivate and inspire an entity, a killer whale, to positive reinforcement. And that's really the only kind of reinforcement that works. So, right. Yeah. So I tell you what, let's we we'll talk a little bit more about that, particularly in the arena this morning of what happens in small businesses. Mm-hmm. And how does this? I mean, we've been talking about large businesses right yes. now. Yes. But we're going to have a break in a moment. But just okay. after the break, let's talk about what are some of the things that go wrong in small businesses in getting the support, the absolutely unqualified, committed support of our people. Mm-hmm. On the one okay. hand, and then uh, what do we have to do to make sure that that we actually do are able to do this? Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. All right. So we're going to a break right now, and uh, we'll be back after that. So stay with us. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the second part of our show this morning. Our guest today is Jude Gladstone Cade. And we're talking about how to motivate and empower our people to actively support us uh, and the offerings of our product and service to 
customers rather than be against us or just being neutral about it. So that's what we've been talking about. Jude, when we were chatting a moment ago, we did address that letter, but maybe we didn't address it as well as we should have. Here was a plea from an employee to say that the boss doesn't really give them the support that they need. What would you suggest to her to handle that situation? Log to keep a list of the incidences that this, this employee sees where the business impacted, the financials are impacted. How is the customer or the recipient of the product or the service impacted by morale? Um, and to make that an anonymous list so that no one gets blamed, but to make a list and then see what pattern is emerging from that list. Um, where, for example, um, people are feeling unappreciated and frustrated and so they don't take the extra measure. Uh, when we praise people, we've noticed their behavior is different. Um, and where possible, link it to the financials of the company where opportunity is lost because that is definitely being impacted. Um, that's the, the best starting place that right. I can think of. I think she's, she's focusing much more on the morale and, the, and, and the, the attitude of the staff, obviously, and the attitude of the staff is obviously impacting on everybody. And the boss thinks he's got a solution, just wants to have a quick fix and send everybody on one course and think that a, you know, maybe a weekend or a couple of days program will just uh, fix it. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. Would it be a good idea for her to chat with other people? Yeah, to, to check with other key people. Um, I think the most right. important thing would be that the boss needs to have someone uh, to find someone, maybe there's a coach out there who could hold a conversation with this person about the impact that the morale is having on the company and this person's role in the impact. So if he, if the boss can see that there's a financial impact and his behavior has something to do with it, um, that would be maybe the way to get his attention about what's needed for change. I don't think a two-day program is going to do a lot of good yeah. We we used to talk about spraying people with the training hose when they're in the room, and then they walk out and they dry off, and it's all gone. And it's not a very right. good investment. There are some coaching solutions that um, might right. make more sense in a right. setting like. I'll this. give her a call actually, and uh, or, or at least email her and just uh, ask her, you know, to get a little bit more information about it, and then we'll work mm -hmm. from there. Yeah. I hope that uh, gave you a bit of a clue. <laughs> the lady who sent in the uh, information. Thank you very much. Okay, Jude, let's talk about small businesses for a moment. This is quite a big one we've been talking about now. But let's talk about small businesses for a moment. What are some of the things that go wrong when that morale or that attitude towards being as committed as, they, as the bosses are to the company occurs in companies? Well, what happens is that owners and founders experience a tremendous amount of stress. Um, the main stress they have is the stress of payroll. Uh, that is very, very difficult to carry in a new business. And there's also these small businesses grow, and there's a level of complexity in them. And it's often too much for one owner, one founder to carry. Right. And the most effective thing that we can do as owners and founders is to have our employees participate with us 
in evaluating how well we're doing in the marketplace and then making goals, understanding where the gaps are for us, what we're good at, what we're really good at, where are the gaps, and making goals together um, to improve. Great. And so, again, again, for the owner and the founder to realize there's stress and there's growth and there's complexity, and it's often too much for one person to carry. And what you really wanted when you started your business was the good life, I imagine. You wanted to make money. You wanted to be able to have your own hours. And lo and behold, what we find is that the hours are all the hours. They're all our own, and, and our business has got it all. They've got every waking moment that we've got is wrapped up in tending our businesses. And the way out of that, back to the good life, is to really empower our people and engage our people. Because they know best how it is that our product or service is landing with the customer. And so to access that information and actively engage people in our planning and goal setting to improve. Sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. I can just hear people sighing around the world when you talk about how, <laughs> how <laughs> the owner's time is taken up completely. Yes, yes absolutely. How the focus absolutely. on the business, because everybody understands that one. You know, I've been in, my, in in business for myself. I've worked with numbers of people who founded businesses who started with all this zeal and enthusiasm. And, you know, everybody sooner or later gets tired, just tired. Yeah, they get beaten down, don't they? Yeah. So I'll, there's I'll kind of a, a specific process um, that you can do as an owner or founder with your people, and that is to ask every individual, um, your supervisors, your team leads, your department heads, and the people who are actually on the front line doing the work. And everybody I recognize is on the front line in a small business. But you can ask everybody, what are we good at? What are our strengths? And what do we need to improve? Wonderful. And put all those lists together into one big list. You can organize them by function. Right. And so everybody participates. And then put your heads together and decide what are your priorities on the things that we need to improve. What are the priorities that you need to improve? And then together make plans to close the gaps. And what's really, really great about this is a small business can be either a wonderful environment or a just awful environment. And I think the person who wrote the email in is describing one of those just awful environments. That owner-founder is not a happy guy, I can tell you. Um, And he may be the most unhappy person in the system. When you engage your people and engage in these kinds of open conversations with people, people get excited. People want to help. People want to do a good job. People really want to improve. And Having all of your people participate at some level in the conversation is a really great way to improve and keep morale up and to take that initial enthusiasm that that the founder had and pass it along, pass it on down. Yeah, sometimes it's the it's the owners themselves who won't allow any of that responsibility or that accountability to be shared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because they feel that they do it best and they do it 
better than anybody else, and they don't, frankly, don't trust their people as much as they I know. should. Yes. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that really undermines people and has people feel that they're not valued and they're not respected and has people feel, well, it doesn't matter what I do because they don't count on me anyhow. And when we can shift that, when we can let go of some of that, and I'm not saying let go of the financial reins or maybe some of the key things that that the owner brings to the company, but because it's an interdependent system, we have to count, we have to start counting on our people and we have to pass information and authority to them to make decisions. Otherwise, it all falls on one human being who, after a period of time, is going to be very, very tired and very, very unhappy and also probably very sick at some point because humans cannot live with that level of stress. Right. So really, in order to realize... It's like being in a family, isn't it, Jude? It's either, mm-hmm. either everybody's in the family or they feel excluded from the family. Yeah, There's nothing more right. painful than being excluded from your own family. Right. And when you engage them in the vision, the dream, the inspiration that had you start the business and and kind of an honest assessment of, you know, what's working really well and what do we need to improve, it's your people who know best, really. (laughs) I know you've said that a couple of times (laughs) without playing devil's advocate. (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of bosses don't buy into that and they really should. I mean, I'm 100% behind you in saying that. They don't yeah. realize people at the rock face are the people who really understand what's going on because they're the ones that, that face the daily uh, battle or the daily uh, understanding of, of, of what is required by the clients or the customers yeah. out there, yeah. much more than people back at the office do. Absolutely, fact, Terry. Uh, I, I told a story just a few weeks ago about one of my one of my friends, in fact, who started a business in San Diego, who started going out in service calls when he bought the business, and um, literally replaced initially replaced the service technician. And when they said, "Who yeah. are you?" he said, "Well, actually, I'm the owner of the business. Well, what are you doing here as the technical advisor?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Come to find out how I can be of most value to you. <laughs> yeah. What an yeah. example! What an unbelievable example yeah. of yeah. how to do this exercise. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. And you know that those people on the front lines—they have the raw data, and the yeah. owner, the founder, the managers, the supervisors. Some assistance is going to be needing as you take this data and you begin to prioritize. And that's the value add that the owner has. That's the technical advisor, so to speak, right. or the consultant on the side. Somebody has to prioritize and put that into a meaningful picture. And very often the managers and the owners can do that. Okay. We're going into a break again now. We'll uh, come back after the break and we'll talk about some more ideas on what we can do to engage our people and get them as excited about our businesses as we are about our businesses. Um, When we get back, if you want to call in from wherever you are, please feel free to do that. Let's go into the break now. Speak to you later. Stay with us. Hi everybody, this is Terry Ostroviak. We're going into the third part of our show now. Uh, just to get you on track, we're talking to Jude Gladstone-Cade, who's a consulting business psychologist, and we're talking about how to motivate our people to take an active support in supporting our organizations and the 
I would say the emotion and the drive and the commitment that we have for our businesses as well. Make sure that they're not neutral, not against us, but fully in sync with the way we feel about our businesses. Jude, we were talking a little bit earlier about some of the things we could do to inject some of that excitement into our teams. What else could we be doing? Okay, so we've talked about engaging our people by having them participate in kind of an assessment about what are we good at and where do we need to improve in our marketplace. And, you know, whether your business has 100 people or 20 people or two, three, or four people, I think I've had experience with these processes and these attitudes uh, and these methods being very, very effective. Um, So once we've done our assessment and we've expanded the conversation to include all the people on the front line who are delivering um, the service or the product to to our customers, we need to go through a time of taking all this information and setting priorities. And these priorities, you know, the, the owner-founder makes the call. The leaders make the call on what's most important in closing the gap. Right. And once these priorities are set based on what we've all learned together, it's time to go into a formal goal-setting process. And I have had, um, very, you know, businesses of five people, um, um, dental practices, for example, Yes. Using this goal-setting practice very, very effectively. Many people have heard about SMART goals, and the word SMART has an an acronym. Or each each letter stands for something, some characteristic or quality of the goal, and I'm going to go through those in just a minute. But I also want to say that what, what I'm proposing is that our goals be smartly. We smartly set goals. And so I'm going to add two pieces to that and credit my colleague when it's time to do that. In any case, um, a smart goal. So first of all, the goal is specific and measurable. In other words, uh, it, there's a way to know that we've achieved the goal. It's very clear and very specific. The M stands for the goal being motivating and meaningful. This is something we want to do. The A stands for the goal being achievable. Right. The R stands for the goal being realistic and relevant to the vision. It makes sense for our business to do this goal. And the T stands for the goal being time-bound. In other words... I'm going to, and and, and an easy one is I'm going to find two new customers every week. It's specific and measurable, and it's time-bound. It's achievable, it's relevant, and it's kind of exciting to find two new customers every week. You know, that could be a fun journey. So that would be a basic SMART goal. The SMART B... These are the criteria for goals being more meaningful. That's yes. really what it is. And, and more workable. By applying, because those, by applying those standards. Exactly. Exactly. And when we get to the next part, you'll see why. Right. <laughs> and so I'm going to talk about the smartly setting goals, the L and the Y. Right. The L stands for what's the, my learning edge or what do I need to learn to achieve this goal? Right. Because... We cannot just work harder and get all our work done. We have to work smarter. We have to improve our basic skill set 
and sometimes our basic humanness in order to meet our goals. So our L is what have I, what's my learning edge to achieve this goal? If I need to find two new customers every week, maybe I'm kind of shy and I need to be more comfortable with people right. so that I'm more likely to reach out. Or maybe I'm kind of sullen and morose or quiet. Right. Maybe my learning edge mean, needs to be to lighten up and have more fun so that Good. more people will want to come and be my customer. Right. So what's my learning gap? What's my learning edge? That's the L. And the Y is what's my personal motivation? Why do I personally, as a frontline employee, why do I want to take on this goal? Do I want to demonstrate my competence? Do I want to grow? Do I want to succeed? Um, what's my personal motivation for this? Excellent. You know, so let's set goals smartly. And I have to attribute the LY, the addition I just heard yesterday from my colleague Skip Andrews, who's a very gifted manager at Nokia right now. Oh, very good. <laughs> yes, I know Skip, and it's, uh, those, those are excellent additions to, to yeah. the SMART goals yeah. Yeah. Uh, acronym. Yeah. Excellent. Can you give us an example, another example as to where you've utilized some of this technology and, and how um, it worked and what were some of the difficulties that you had with it? Okay. One of the first difficulties with goals is we all kind of know what we want to do, but it's nebulous. It's not very well described, and it's not very tangible. Like, oh, I want right. to do better, or I want to improve. Um, and so... Going through the exercise, and sometimes you need to do this in conversation with other people that you work with, going through the exercise of actually, you know, chunking down what does it mean to do better or what does it mean to increase revenues? What are all of the behaviors that need to occur for revenues to increase? You know, how can you chunk that down? Um, it might be each person um, who's responsible for new business gets two new customers a week. It might be each person, the person who's doing customer service and support on the back end is passing information about what's needed for improvement into the uh, product development or product improvement people so that there's, you know, this cyclical conversation information is flowing freely throughout the organization, throughout the company. In fact, you're Um, starting a conversation for improvements in the whole organization. I mean, the whole bottom line in this whole exercise is creating a culture where everybody's on a theme, and the theme is how do we improve. Exactly. And, everybody... and everybody's looking for it, and everybody's discussing it openly. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea that we actually start a conversation for improvement in the organization as a cultural entity. Yes, that absolutely. That is a goal, in a sense. And you make it safe and comfortable to talk about what we need to improve. You know, people kind of shy away from that. And the way that you can do that is you can have them also talk about what we're good at. Yes. You know, one list, what are we good at? Another list, what do we need to improve? And then another way to do that is when you sit down in the meetings, begin your meeting by talking about what is it that you're celebrating that week. What is each person celebrating? Um, What is each department head say their team accomplished in the last year, what are they most proud of? So you begin with the positive reinforcement and the praise, and then you speak about we all need to learn from each other what we need to improve. 
Do you think that people can do that internally in organizations, or do they need a catalyst to aid this, the, the, the way that that discussion goes? A catalyst really helps. If you're a manager or a founder or an owner and you've never done this before, it's kind of frightening. And you might want to have someone come in and do the first couple of sessions with you or go through right. the first round of this, first round of goal setting with you. And then the following year you may be able to do it by yourself. Yeah, or you may I, I be able to have People learn very quickly about how the system works and then, then, then they yeah. can continue it themselves. I'm a great believer in, in, in creating systems that uh, can be self-managed rather than yeah. what often happens in organizations where people have outside help and, and they yeah. feel that they cannot do anything without that outside help being a permanent part of the organization. Right, exactly. One of the things I've done is I've taken these lists of what are we good at and what needs improving, and I, I, I take it from the typed page, and I literally make posters. You know, you can go to Kinko's or a copy place and get a poster made that's about two feet wide and three feet high. And I right. tape them on the wall so that when people come in the room, the, all the, every department has a poster up there of what that department said they need to, you know, need, they were good at and they needed to improve. It's all on the wall. It's all out in the open. The lights are on. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like I go into those rooms sometimes the first time and I'm looking at a bunch of deer in the headlights. <laughs> and you know, then we talk Watch about I rabbit. talk about <laughs> Ken Blanchard and catch him doing something right and Shamu the killer whale and whale done and and um then the first thing we do is tell me what you're most proud about in your department or tell me what you've done in the last month that you're most proud of. So we right. begin with a celebration. And then we go into <laughs> each person or each manager presenting what needs improvement and what are our strengths. So they get and they an just present it, you know, to share their there. ideas, to verbalize what it is that's important for them. Yeah, exactly. Right, rather than the yeah. facilitator or the leader just simply doing all the talking. I think that's exactly. Uh, Everybody presents their own list. And it's just, you know, they sometimes they read it. That's okay. As long as the, you know, the words are spoken and it's in the shared space. <laughs> I agree with you. That's yeah, the way to yeah. do it. Yeah. So have you done something like that recently? Um, so if this is a process that I've used time and time again with, with any number of clients. And uh, right. it's a very successful process. And, and it's right. a very modest consulting effort. You know, you don't have to... Yeah. To ha have a year of consulting, you know, you can. Jude, we have to go into a break. Okay. <laughs> All right. So just right. after the break, we'll wind it up. Please, I just want to remind people if you'd like to call in or even email right now, Terry at uh, quantum at qlcats.com. Terry at QL, quantum leap catalyst, qlcats.com. If you want to send in an email right now, we'll deal with it right on the show at this moment. Let's go into a break and we'll be back in a moment. Hi, everybody. We're going into the last part of our show this morning. Uh, we're talking with Jude Gladstone-Cade, who's a consulting business psychologist, and she's talking to us about working with teams, but most important of all, helping our people, ensuring that our people actively support our product and service offers to customers. And she's come up so far with some very, very simple, easy-to-do things that any one of us in small businesses or even large businesses 
be doing and would make a big difference. Jude, let's talk about some other things that we could be doing over and above the initial steps that you went through a moment ago. And then we'll okay. summarize everything. Okay, sure. Once, you know, once we've done our, um, engaged our people by having them participate in our assessment and priority setting and goal setting and we set our smartly goals, then the most important thing is that these goals stay alive. And the way these goals stay alive is through feedback. Feedback scares people. People are going, ah, don't tell me I'm doing badly. You know, help me. I don't want to hear bad news. Well, Ken, another thing that Ken Blanchard used to say is, or does say, is feedback is the breakfast of champions. Feedback is information. It's vital information that we need. And when we work together well in small businesses, we're at work. We need to be a coherent team. And we need to be sharing information that we learn. And so making, as an owner or founder, whether your business is four people or 50 people, Making feedback part of the culture is a way to really revitalize your, your, your morale and your company. When employees see that you want to know and that it's okay to say what needs to be said, people get really excited. So once these goals have been set, it's important that on a quarterly basis there's a formal time set aside to review everyone's goals. How are we doing? What progress are we making? Are we on track? Do we need to make a course adjustment? But to revisit the goals and say, report to everybody just the way we did in the assessment. Keep the conversation going. How are we doing on our goals? And make it okay for feedback to continue because we need that information from each other. That's really, really important. Interesting that this whole process depends on us documenting what it is that we need to be doing, not just yeah. talking about it. Exactly. And I mean, I don't know who originally said that, but they, you know, people say they have plans or they have goals, but there's no right. such thing as a plan or a goal that isn't written down somewhere. Exactly. And, and maybe have to be able to, you know, to capture it. Yeah, and maybe if you're just starting this, you might want to review these goals every month. I mean, there's nothing more motivating than, oh, my gosh, I have to tell my team how I'm doing against this commitment I made. Yes. <laughs> you know? I get myself Let's do a summary of the things that we discussed today. Pardon me? And what did you say, Terry? Let's do a summary, review okay. the things that we discussed today, the action steps that we could take in the form of one, two, three. Okay. One is engage our people by um, making a formal assessment. What What are our strengths? What needs improving? Just ask Set. those questions, in fact, yes. Yes. Set right. prior the word set assessment sounds daunting, but when you oh. say just ask our people. <laughs> yeah, make a list. Make, what are we doing well and what do we need to improve? Right. Set priorities and set goals, smartly goals. Right. Keep it alive. Make it a yeah. vital part of the business by reviewing those goals monthly, quarterly. Feedback is information that we need. From right. And I would include the, the concept of creating a conversation for yes. the improvement. In other words, everybody's talking about it in the organization all the time. Yes. And everybody's and excited about it. Everybody's excited. The owner-founder, everybody yeah. is, thinks it's great that the owner-founder wants to know what needs improving. That yeah. is one of the biggest revitalizers in a business that I've ever seen. That's a wonderful aha. Very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, exactly. And, you know, as just before we went on the break, we were talking about how you would get started with this. And sometimes 
you might want to start with a consultant. And I think I think that this is a consulting effort that, you know, it takes an initial assistance and then it's something that you can do independently. And, and I think, I understand, Terry, this is work that you can do with people, right? Yes, I've been doing this type of thing for years. And, in fact, mm-hmm. I use very simple methods, simple things like this. I mean, I concentrate on things like this as a catalyst with organizations. And I do it with individuals as well, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, exactly the things that you were talking about today are the steps that I, that I would go about uh, working right. with organizations. And I, I, I would call myself in this sense a catalyst. A catalyst, yes. in other words, and I use uh, this is my definition of catalyst for this exercise. It's like taking one element, joining it with a second element, and creating a third element. I being the one element, my client mm-hmm. being the second element. And the third element is what appears from the way that we mix the relationship and the and the uh, the feedback that we give one another that mm-hmm. creates a, a new opening, a new opportunity. In fact, even a new conversation. Right, that's exciting. Would change and improvement, and that's the, basically the way I would do it. And of course, I go yeah. another step further than that too, and I go into quantum leap thinking. Yeah. If people are ready for that, quantum leap thinking means going beyond what we ever dreamed of that we were capable of doing previously. Mm, that's really exciting. So that's the conversation that uh, that I introduce when when people are ready for it. Mm-hmm. That's why sometimes mm-hmm. the word realistic goals sometimes doesn't gel that well. <laughs> because realistic goals sometimes are extremely limiting. Yes, they can be. And uh, and I challenge people or prod them into thinking about what is really realistic here. What would happen yeah. if? Yeah. Yeah. And that would be the next part of it. So that what is really is possible. a vital element. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. the idea behind it. So yeah. I, I just I would just like to say this. Jude, just in the final part of our show here, we've just got a few minutes to go, but just simply, if anybody would like to get a bit more information about how to introduce a system like this, feel free to call me in the United States at, uh, you can see it on my website, my website is qlcats.com, Quantum Leap Catalyst, it's short for, but you just write in qlcats.com, that's all it is. And if you want to email me, it's terry at qlcats.com. So I refer you to that. In addition, if you would like to take advantage of it, you could have a free session with me just to check it out, see how it works. I'd be happy for you to do that. So just answer the contact form on the on the website that uh, you can pick up at QLCAT, and that will do it for you. Um, one last thing. Jude, what would you say finally? What message would you give to to, to the group on, on what needs to be implemented or what, what new idea can we make happen in the organization that would make a difference? Well, I think for me, you know, I'm in my, in my 50s now and I've learned a lot and I've stumbled a lot and it's been painful and sometimes pretty awful and now it's pretty wonderful. And I think that the, the important difference for me is that I've learned to include more people in the conversation, what I call the conversation. Um, everybody has a view. Everybody wants to be heard. And everybody has something to contribute. And so as a, as a leader, as an owner-founder, to listen, to listen to what people are saying and, um, and respect what it is that they want to say and that they really do care about your business and the results that are created. And uh, work can be really exciting and fulfilling when you're included in the conversation. Right, and and if we include people as well, we always feel as owners of a business that we're being supported. 
can't yeah. think of anything more satisfying for a business owner than to get the feeling that people have the same sense of commitment, the same sense of energy, the same sense of passion that they have for the goal. I don't think yeah. there's anything in business that could be more exciting yeah, than that that's feeling cool. of being surrounded by supporters of, with, yeah. with that kind of attitude. Oh, yes. That is so exciting. I want to be there. <laughs> yes. And the feeling that's that if we're not there, be. the business would continue without us. Yeah. And I certainly say that that's true at this, this destination that I've found for myself right now. I'm very pleased about that. <laughs> yeah. It's an exciting place to be. Yeah. It's very good to, that, you, you know, that you found something that really fits with you. But obviously you found a bunch of people that you can work with that are open to this type of thinking and these ideals. Yes, I, I think so. I think that, you know, the owner and the founder, um, tremendously compassionate people with wonderful, exciting visions and and an openness to hear, you know, what's needed in terms of people and to take the steps to to uh, move and grow. I mean, every small business grows in complexity, and as it grows, we've got to become more, de- more um, involved with our people because we can no longer do it all. Right. Yeah. I just want to thank you very much, Jude, for being with us today. It's been a, a really great conversation. We've had a lot of fun talking about it. And I just want to remind our listeners that uh, next week we'll be talking with um, with somebody new. And that person is Stu Schreiber, who's the president of the Small Business Company. And he'll be talking about why 80% of small businesses fail in the first five years. And he's got some really interesting ideas on that subject. He has a very varied management background. Um, how do we achieve the success and the results we dreamed of when we first started? It's really what he's going to be aiming at. So that will be our exercise next week. Look forward to being with you then. Please tune in at that time. Thank you very much once again, Jude. Bye. Okay, you're welcome. 